Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Standing in the ruins of another black man's life, or flying through the valley, separating day and night, I am death, cried the vulture, for the people of the light, light. In a wilderness of heartbreak, and a desert of despair, evil's clarion of justice shrieks the cry of naked terror, taking babies from their mamas, leaving grief beyond compare. So if you see the vulture coming, flying circles in your mind, remember there is no escaping, for he will follow close behind. Only promise me a battle, battle for your soul and mine, and mine, and mine. Welcome, everybody, to AM Bite. Welcome on this Sunday, this chill Sunday. And I hope you enjoyed that introduction. If you're watching on video, it's uh, you may be wondering why I'm pulling up Carrie and the Blind Melon song. There's a couple of reasons. One, our guest usually comes for a Halloween special, but scheduling got kind of weird. I had to go to uh, I had to go to Memphis to to visit America's Magician. He had some things, so you might say this is sort of a Halloween special. And considering how 2024 is going, perfect timing. We've got Nephilim in the malls. We've got wars brewing and exploding. People going crazy. Some every maybe every day is Halloween. And on a metaphoric level, well, uh, the the scene from Carrie makes sense. We all think we're going up to get our crown, but we all end up with pig's blood in our head and at the at the footnote of a blind melon song. So I hope you enjoyed it. But please welcome and good to see everybody. And yes, with us tonight, we have the pleasure and honor of having back Anthony Tyler. Anthony, thanks for coming back. Yeah, pleasure as always. Um, always cool to catch up with you guys. And uh, given the story we have today, I'm I'm particularly excited. It's uh, it's a it's really a story for um, it could it, it could be for any time of year, but it's uh, it's perfect for um, a Halloween inspired kind of vibe. There's a lot of pageantry involved. Um, I don't know, like you guys, you got any uh, any um, action you guys want to like talk about or or shout outs or anything as i could just dive right into it here no i think we're almost ready obviously it's a topic i don't know much about but again what's great and what i love to promote and i've been doing this on the show is as we were talking before the interview that the the united states landscape has so much occultism and magic and dark portals and positive spirits that 
everybody misses. We're so used to Manly P. Hall and Native American, but there's so much. And individuals like you, Steven Snyder, me with the Elvis book are trying to show that, you know, this country is insane. It is, it's got more magic than it has resources <laughs> or mm-hmm. land. And there's so much that has yet to be uncovered. And of course, some of it is disturbing. Some is dark, some is positive, but let's bring it out and show it will help the psyche of this country to bring the true story out, I would say. And with us, somebody who always brings out the truth, it is the Moondog Vans. Vans, how are you doing? I'm fine tonight. Can't wait to hear about all this intersection between all these different things. <clears throat> I won't spoil. I'll let in, in, you know, Anthony uh, bring it all out. But I did wear my black hat and honor your black hoodie. So I, I thought you were going to change thing. your name from Moondog to Moondog, D-A-W-G. <laughs> <laughs> Moondog V. <laughs> Shizzle my Twizzlers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Next time. Next time. So. So awesome. Yeah, for those of you in the chat, good to see people showing up. Good to see Dominique, Melissa, Chester, uh, Mr. Mark Jefferson from Sweet Home, Alabama. Hope you're doing well. And there are no Nephilim in your mall, or maybe there should be some Nephilim. My theory is interesting because (laughs) I was thinking my theory is that there's these eight foot shadowy people. I was like, well, that's more, that's not Nephilim, that's more like uh, Mothman. So and my theory will only be true if there's like a natural disaster event in a month in Miami or Florida. Then I'm right. My theory is right instead of the Nephilim at the mall. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Again, we're just throwing stuff around and doing the best we can. So good to see everybody there on the chat. If you have any questions, please super chat them. Appreciate the support. And uh, for more of this high weirdness, definitely check out Anthony's Black Hoodie Alchemy. He does a lot of this really independent investigation into the dark niches of American culture. He includes, of course, serial killers and other sweet stuff. Hopefully later we'll have time to talk about our guilty passion, which is really intense horror movies that Anthony and I like. We share ideas about these movies, and uh, that's it. So, yeah, Anthony, let's uh, get started. Take us on this journey. All right. Yeah, with pleasure. So, um, you know, the uh, without getting like being super political here, I think a reasonable disclaimer to make is like we're we're three white dudes here. Um, you know, I've got like, you know, we're all we're, I'm sure we're mixed. Uh, everybody's mixed in some ways. Um, um, I've got like some Spanish and some Native American and things, but like hip hop it comes from black culture, but it's uh, especially these days, and it's been like this for a while. Um, it's it it is for everybody, and it's more if anything um, it's debatable. The more you get into hip hop moguls, but like the spirit of hip hop and and uh, the original culture that you know from which it sprang, which is everything we're going to be getting into here, really is if anything a uh, uh, like at its core, a classist struggle. There's not to say all the racist elements and things. And like, there's, there's certain elements of this conversation that we wouldn't be able to have, but luckily there's so much journalistic data here. There's a lot of, you know, cult, uh, uh, cult, esoteric, occult philosophy mixed in here. There's plenty to talk about, but, um, um there it's it's so it's a really wild subject like this guy dwight york malachi z york as he 
It, he had a whole bunch of different names. He went through a lot of different phases. Um, but uh, he uh, he basically it was like a you know a black empowerment leader on the heels of the deaths of uh, people like MLK and Malcolm X. And he, there was a huge um, and understandable vacuum in the culture. Um, and also uh, another disclaimer I think is worth bringing up is this is not like a full on indictment of all hip hop culture or anything. I am heavily influenced by hip hop, um, you know, right along with uh, punk rock and metal. And the more you get into after these cultures were established a little bit, um, the more you get into them, the more you see a lot of crossover, especially in influence. Um, so the, the whole idea of the classist struggle, um, the underdog mentality, you know, a lot of hip hop and punk rock mentality, it, you know, even considers like signing to a major label to be um, at its, at its core, uh, like a sign of compromise and even weakness. And, you know, while that might, is probably a little extreme, there's, there's that whole DIY mentality. And those are the things I always was really inspired by. There's, there's all sorts of puns like the pen mightier than the sword and stuff. People are always talking about like using like their bars, you know, their rhymes as like weapons and things. And as a writer, I, I immediately gravitated towards that. And um, hip hop has always been a, like a long withstanding part of my life. Um, so, you know, all that said, um, it's, like there's i guess malachi york is so let's get back to the power vacuum a little bit not power vacuum but similar um there was a there was a genuine um need for um uh, a collective uprising a, a concerted effort uh, that the things like people like mlk and malcolm x were doing and um, it, you know, both of them were assassinated and it seems like they, you know, like we could go down rabbit holes of conspiracy theories uh, one way or the other. Like, it seems like, you know, they were upsetting the proverbial powers that be most definitely. And it's weird that people like um, Malachi York, you know, had such successful careers. There's a lot of parallels uh, that you can find between Malachi York and like Jim Jones, for example, where before his turn, uh, Jim Jones, and he was always crazy, but he had a strong public persona while he was in the Bay Area in California. You know, he was getting like keys to the to the city of San Francisco. I, I think he actually did get a key to the city, but it, it, at least proverbial, proverbially, he was getting accolades from politicians and and uh, big cosigns. And Malachi York was the same way. He w- He started out. Um, basically with this, uh, this, this, um, Islamic sort of, you know, because, uh, um, uh, African-American and, uh, and Islam have gone hand in hand in this country for a long time. Sometimes people forget that. Um, but, uh, and it's, and, and he, it went into so many different things. Like, uh, he had, there's a lot of Egyptology elements. He ended up in Georgia building 40 foot uh pyramids of of stucco and plywood and paint and you can look up pictures on his cult compound um it's crazy yeah and, like, right now <laughs> yeah and his he had his own sphinx statue they they actually had an illegal nightclub in one of the pyramids so wild shit um that's just scratching the surface but uh 
So there's also a lot of ancient alien stuff going on. There's also a lot of uh, Illuminati stuff going on. And the, with the specific slant that the Illuminati is the, the white devil, like, you know, racism goes always, everybody can be racist. And it's, uh, it's pretty astonishing how overt there's that they actively called themselves like black supremacists. And there's a lot of, uh, black Hebrew Israelite stuff in here, which is the supposition that, you know, like the Nubian, which is like basically the term for like the ancient black person, um, was like the first person. And, uh, and that seems to be a matter of record at this point. Um, but then there are some black people, you know, it's a very small radical sect. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's got its numbers. It's like a global idea. The whole black Hebrew Israelite, where they think that they are the original Jewish people and being, you know, the people from which everything sprang and being the original Jewish people are pretty different things. So, (laughs) but that's like where they, that's, that's where a lot of the, uh, the, the inspiration for the arguments comes from. There's a, there was also, believe it or not, he also tried to, it was part of his whole court argument once he got caught and there was no evidence for it ever. There was a specific time where he started claiming this, but he also, when he moved to Georgia, started claiming that he was a Creek Indian and even started doing like, like the big old, like chief headdress and everything. And oddly enough, started doing like an actual Cowboys and Indians theme for his cult. This guy went through a lot of themes um, and people didn't really like that one. They weren't, real taken to that but that that you could find pictures it's it's absurd that i don't even know what could possess that man to bring everyone down that rabbit hole but anthony what what was malachi's on his resume what was he was he a community leader a producer i mean obviously like you said he became a bona fide cult leader of the jim jones uh level but what was his day job if you will what did he tell people he was (laughs) <laughs> I mean, from early on, this guy seemed to have aspirations of cult leader status, like whether he, however far he took that phraseology in his head or whatever. But um, um, like he really didn't do anything except be a, a community leader. And he was a record producer and did his own record labels and things. And uh, um, like there was at one point, we'll get into because uh, there's like some some really wild name drops that I'm sure people are interested in hearing. We'll get into that pretty soon here before we unpack some other stuff. But like he started, um, you know, it was, it was similar again to like Malcolm X or something being like a community leader. He started, you know, he had people on the streets promoting um, Islam and his uh, his AAC community, which was, was an Islamic uh, community in Brooklyn. And uh, there ended up becoming like dozens no exaggeration, like dozens of apartment buildings that he owned in uh, Bushwick, I believe. And um, uh, in the seventies that he was like, he, he, he owned them uh, through just climbing the ranks and, you know, having people give him donations, the classic cult leader hustle and all his followers lived in these apartments. So he, he came at the right time where people were really desperate for leaders that were you know, duly promoting empowerment of the community. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a really sick, um, 
it's, he, he's a he's a parasitic dude but um it's it's crazy it it it's really just like a cosmic joke sort of thing um how he showed up in this area it it, it wasn't only um the the vacuum left from the these leaders you know being killed it was also just happened to be the dawn of hip hop as we know it and he happened to be in the literal place not even in the state in the in like the subsection of New York, you know, in Brooklyn and, and Bushwick and all these places where um, hip hop, like is, it is literally ground zero. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we have people like, like Jay-Z, uh, for instance, we can go through some of these names here. Um, Jay-Z sure. um, and for a quick timeline perspective. Um, so in the nineties, Malachi York started catching more heat in uh, New York uh, because of like racketeering and sexual assault charges, allegations, which became charges and things. Um, and so he ended up moving to Georgia, uh, like an hour and a half or so outside of Atlanta and, and did the cult thing. So a lot of this is in New York and um, New York City specifically. So, so Jay-Z at the turn of the decade, like 89 and 90, uh, was working with Early, they were like a duo, um, his producer, Jazz O. And Jazz O was like an outspoken leader, not a leader, uh, like a, a community member in, uh, in the hip hop community. But before I get ahead of myself here, I think um, the, the first name, we'll, get, we'll talk a little bit more about Jay-Z, but Africa Bambata is how this guy becomes deeply embedded in hip hop culture. Um, Malachi Z. York was never a rapper himself. He was actually like an R&B and funk and soul guy. And he had, he came out with multiple projects. I remember one of them, his group was Passion. And it was like really hypersexual dance music, which was in direct contrast to everything he was talking about. So he was always just really doing whatever he wanted. And so through this, uh, through, through these um, record label type, type situations and the dawn of hip hop, he meets um, Africa Bambata, as he's called. And uh, Africa Bambata is, w- was known as like the godfather of hip hop. He has his own sexual assault allegations. It's crazy how these people seem to rise to power. It's all, it almost seems like so many people rise to power because they're psychopaths and just treat other people like objects, you know? <laughs> uh, right. um, and uh, it, like, th- because it's just astonishing how many people we come across uh, that are that are leaders of communities and founders of of movements who are just just doing terrible things. But um, um, so he founded Zulu Nation, which you can hear in a lot of um, um, early, like well-known hip hop music, not early, like dawn of hip hop. It's a little further on, but like they lost soul and a tribe called Quest um, and Zulu Nation was. It had a lot of um, it was trying to bring the traditional African um, like beliefs and metaphysics and traditions to modern hip hop culture and New York and um, and do community building in these things. And uh, for a long time, it seemed to be a good thing. But then Bombada started getting in with Malachi York and um, through sort of Bambada's cosign, his stamp of approval. Um, and just the fact that Malachi York was also getting local accolades. He was known as a community builder. Um, these, uh, 
he was gaining a lot of traction. And so you find, again, people like Jay-Z were hanging out with people that were well-established in his community. And, uh, and they have lyrics like, uh, I know uh, Vance was asking for um, at least some titles and stuff. Um, uh, he, uh, I got the invitation to yeah. rap some lyrics. I don't think I'll do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Like, for instance, um, like an early Jay-Z song in 1990 that he did with Jazzo called The Originators. Uh, has direct references to the Nuwabians and to York. Um, and another crazy thing is like I've, as a longtime fan of hip hop, especially underground hip hop, um, you know, like we're not really talking about SoundCloud rap as another aside, like six, nine and Travis Scott and all these people, like the internet has really taken certain subsections of hip hop to different places that are just not really a part of the conversation, but uh, we're talking more like old school stuff. Um, but I've even come across this in my own listening. Like, you know, there's Wu-Tang is like its own subsection of hip hop. And uh, you find Wu-Tang affiliates like a rapper named Killa Priest as uh, uh, drops Malachi York's name sometimes. Um, um, rappers I, uh, I th- that I really enjoy, like um, Army of the Pharaohs, which is like a Wu-Tang affiliated thing. Um, you find name drops of Malachi York in there. And a lot of this also this is where things get confusing sometimes um, is since he's such a embedded part of hip hop culture. Now, and a lot of underground rap, especially like it's they're sort of being like the heel in pro wrestling. You're, you're just sort of talking shit and being the big man. And like, and, 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 and that's all on purpose because it's the, like the showmanship of hip hop It's the battle rap, a lot of that spirit. And a lot of these uh, artists come from the actual, like, tournaments where you're like toe to toe with people so so that's kind of the deal and you're um you're kind of like getting your inner super villain on in some ways so so sometimes people like like one guy that i've heard malachi's you uh i've heard malachi york's name dropped by him is uh is an artist that's got he's been around for a long time named ill bill and uh and he's even got a song called cult leader and it's not like some heartfelt song or anything. It's from like the early 2000s. It's like a boom bap hip hop, like head nod song where he's like, I'm the motherfucking cult leader. But it's all tongue in cheek. Like he's got other songs where he's talking about conspiracy theories and all this other stuff. So there's that whole element of hip hop in there. But a lot of these people, there's a whole angle where they maybe think he was framed, Malachi York, even after these allegations. Um, there's also things to take into account like, like it goes with any cult, a lot of this stuff until it finally breaks out is kept to the innermost circle, like all the worst allegations and abuse and things. So a lot of these artists, you know, this guy's passing out pamphlets for decades, like on street corners in Brooklyn. So you can't blame all these artists for coming across his name at one point and then putting him in a, in a song lyric in the nineties, you know, and then they find out a decade later, like, Oh, I didn't know all that about that dude. But um, but it goes. It, but but here's some other stuff that uh, that goes a lot deeper than that. Like Andre Three Thousand and the and and all of Outcast were heavily affiliated with Malachi York. Um, they mm-hmm. have, they did they did shows on the Georgia compound, like right around the pyramids. And uh, their their second album, ATL Ians, um, is full of Malachi York references. It is basically a Nuwabian themed album. Um, so you can check that out. 
MF Doom, who is a lot of people's pipeline into the deeper underground of hip hop. Um, he's he's a guy that wore like a non copyrighted like a Doctor Doom mask, and he's someone that if anybody knows any kind of any sort of fan of hip hop, and they don't just like like SoundCloud rap today. Almost everybody really enjoys MF Doom. He's classic. And he, you know, he just died like not that long ago. So he's people still have features of him that they're still releasing even to this day. So he's a big presence in hip hop. <clears throat> he has direct quotes, his own quotes, where he's talking about how deeply influenced he was by Malachi York and considered him a follower and like, and now he's dead, so we don't really get follow-ups on that, on like what he thought uh, the, the, about the court cases and all these different things. Um, because and we'll get into that later, but it's, it's also a bit of a head-scratcher. This story is big. You know, the New York Times, everyone covered it, um, but it's just not talked about that much. Like, you would think this would have like a Netflix special by now, but <laughs> not a whole lot of coverage on it. But we get through some more names here. Um, Nas, uh, a lot of people know that name. And the song, I believe, is Triple Threat. Um, he uh, drops Malachi York's name. Um, there's, you know, The Roots. A lot of people know them. Um, we also, now some of this, you go deeper into his career. And we're talking about like the 70s and 80s and stuff. Some of this is a little less documented. Um, but given the the specs and the influence that we do know he had um, like the only places I could find a couple of these names were from pro Malachi sources. And I, I couldn't really find a ton of follow-up, but really wouldn't surprise me. It's right place, right time. He knew all the other people. Um, we have names even like Stevie wonder and Lionel Richie that he was bumping into and talking mm -hmm. with and things like that. Um, um, the, the last name before we could talk about some more of uh a couple names um, before we get into more like details of belief systems and, and timeline and whatever else. Um, Erica Badu is a lot is a, is like a, 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 a female, a, a rapper, um, R and B she does because hip hop is, you know, it's rap, it's R and B, it's graffiti, it's break dance. It's, it's culture. It's, it's the whole culture thing. And uh, she's got a lot of um, she's, she's name dropped him before. Um, in like interviews and things throughout the years. And another big name that people know mob deep um, specifically prodigy of mob deep. He is a head scratcher guy for me because um, I always really liked him. A lot of these names I really like. Um, and, you know, again, we talked about how it's going to be a case by case basis, but prodigy is someone that seems to have a good heart but also really doubled down on Malachi York, like early mob deep stuff is like some like Biggie Tupac, like original OG gangster rap. And uh, um, Prodigy, as he got older, started getting really esoteric. And if you look into Prodigy's later work, there's it's there's like occult philosophy. He's like talking about the tree of life and all this different stuff in with his like old school rhymes and stuff. And uh, like the gangster life was long behind him. And uh, it was a really philosophical dude that was trying to uh, give back to his culture, which a lot of these people do. You know, a lot of these people rap like, about like gangster lifestyle because that's what they lived for a long time. But 
now they're just, you know, painting stories and really trying to give back to their community. Um, right. and, uh, and I, and, and I like that, but, um, anyway, mob, uh, prodigy, he, um, given all that, uh, there's even conspiracy theories. Some people think he might've been taken out and whatever else. Um, the, um, he, before he died was strangely convinced that like Jay-Z was in a uh, collaboration with Malachi York's son, who is someone who on record helped eventually take him down, uh, his son. And there was like a, the, the whole conspiracy theory to, um, set up all these sexual abuse and uh, different allegations. And it, it just seemed like it's so much mental gymnastics for a guy that does seem smarter than that. And it, it really harkens to like some of the core questions of a, a conversation like this, like what, how do people get sold on these things? And um, <clears throat> another quick example for like larger context it kind of, in a way, the, uh, how he's capitalizing on this on this power vacuum, if you will, um, in this spiritual vacuum, um, it reminds me of Om Shinrikyo in Japan, the the cult that led the sarin gas attacks. It right. was like Japanese nine eleven, and uh, it was like a Buddhist acid cult, and uh, it was insane. And there was a lot of like so, uh, torture and and all sorts of abuse, and. Um, it, like it was smart people getting sold on this. This guy had his own um, like military grade chemical weapons factory that was being run by like pretty competent people. And how is he selling these people on it? Well, like obviously it's a very nuanced um, answer, but a, a very cogent strong takeaway is the fact that in Japan at that time um, they were, they were radically adjust. Uh, they were radically adjusting to this sort of whiplash that they had from this overcapitalist culture. Everyone was working so much, you know, and especially with that, like Japanese code of honor, like people were really pushing it to extremes and like hardly seeing their children in ways that even a workaholic in America would be surprised by, like when you hear the numbers and, and it left a vacuum and, 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 and a, like a very tangible parental vacuum where a lot of people felt spiritually adrift in this like 90s Japanese culture and this guy just was able to sink right into the right place and Malachi York is the same way he just capitalized on uh people's real tangible like spiritual wounds if you will and and I think some people just um I don't know man it's like um it's like people who still listen to Michael Jackson today. And like when it's, he's clear that he did some stuff, like, I don't know, I don't really blame you for liking Michael Jackson's music. Um, and it's hard to separate it. You had so many memories with that music. They didn't have anything to do with the, the shit that he did. So I know it's tough, um, especially if you weren't like embedded in the cult, but there's, there's plenty more I could keep going on, but I want to give you guys any, you got any questions oh, or anything? Yeah. Yeah. I'll always love Michael Jackson. My kids love Michael. There's some, yeah, there's, it's great music, there's magic. Man. The guy had more talent. One of the most talented songwriters, musicians and his, but anyway, yeah, that's another discussion. Um, well, I guess on my side, did, uh, did York have really any sort of, coherent theology because obviously black hebrew nation of islam 
they're not exactly in good terms. The, the Christ, the black Christian, they're not in good terms, and they do, uh, they do, uh, they do clash. I mean, even though, of course, as people know, for example, the UFO thing, we know that Elijah Muhammad had a UFO encounter, and Louis Farrakhan is big into UFO. So the esoteric and the black community is fine, but did he have anything, or was he just sort of drawing from different places to? Um not there was some backbone stuff he was always drawing from different places though um so it started with the islamic um the the pro-islamic stuff but even then it was always a little bit of um uh, an abrahamic take with mostly islam but he was talking about jesus sometimes and clearly he had some some interesting ideas about hebrew culture <laughs> and uh um there was also, I mentioned, he had the phase where he literally tried to do a Cowboys and Indians thing in Georgia. Um, and uh, there's, um, but it was, it was largely the big takeaways and like, you see the pictures and things and, and especially since a lot of times passed now, um, the things that his culture that are most remembered and that anyone who still is a follower of him like seem to resonate with is the Islamic stuff and the Egyptian stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and, and then the, the, like his esoteric explanation for the comparisons that he found between Egyptology and, um, and Islam is all ancient alien stuff. And, uh, and that, that, that's pretty much the triangle we can look at here for the most part. Um, but it's it's constantly changing um there's a lot of cases throughout the throughout the timeline where you can find his he's he realizes that he's like testing the patience of his cult members and he's like okay maybe maybe we do away with the 10 gallon hats and things like that and so it's it's pretty <laughs> wild around the blazing saddles time or what <laughs> I, I don't know man like he really he was so far out there they they also had um black like masonic fezes that they they would often wear sometimes he had like a full on pharaoh egyptian like headpiece like i said he also wore that indian native american chief headdress and so there was there's crazy stuff um he's into sitchin too wasn't he didn't he take some stuff from zechariah sitchin oh yeah yeah all the yeah. um the uh Anunnaki, um, right? Yeah, all the ancient alien interpretations from Sumeria and things like that. Yeah, and I think that um, didn't he say also that uh, his race was originally responsible for creating the other races? Yeah, this is very much the hip hop. Um, um, L. Ron Hubbard, oddly mm -hmm. enough, there's uh, a lot of parallels there too. Well, yeah. God. David Chappelle needs to do a bit on. <laughs> I know <laughs> nothing direct though with the Scientology or L. Ron Hubbard. Is there? Uh, no, no. But um, no now Satan's or anything. <laughs> no. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, though, Zenu. he definitely took a lot of um inspiration from uh, Masonic stratification, like the the system that the the systems, I guess, uh, of Masonry and ah, we the know York, that, right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um he really loved his pageantry and you know we can talk about um georgia a little bit because that's where things get especially crazy 
that's like the equivalent of when uh, Jim Jones leaves the country and right. it's just ramped up to 11, so to speak. Um, so he got so, in some heat in New York and decided I'm going to the, the burbs of Georgia or somewhere isolated. So that yeah. Yeah. He actually had some um, sexual assault charges uh, in, in like early sixties before he even started doing any community building stuff. And it was easier to brush that stuff under the rugs. So um he was um a, a, a uh, he was a predator for a long time like probably always and he just never stopped and there was more predatory allegations um cuz he's always he always has um different like he gets charged eventually anyway and there's consistent rumors of like the different drug trafficking potential human trafficking mm-hmm. um um, but that's more whispers. Uh, there's definitely a lot of systemic abuse that, and um, and and racketeering. And like I said, they were running an illegal club. Um, he was he had his hands in every cult leader thing that any basic cult leader does. You know, all the and illicit course, black market. Uh, and it's always like the government knows this stuff. But the, at one point, the government decides he's a threat. We're going to shut him down. You know, they could have gotten him, but usually he's a threat to some power structure or he knows too much or that's it. We're going to get rid of him. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a real curious part of the story. Um, because, you know, while it's brought up it, uh, it's strange that people like, you know, MLK and Malcolm X die at their peak and Malachi York is just, he was left to you know to his own devices for a long time and and then eventually when like word was starting to get to the public and it was starting to be a real crazy like Waco eyesore mm-hmm. um uh, which you uh, I'll uh, I'll get into as well um then people start doing something about it but this guy also had um the 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 cosign of both Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson so it's just it it is and those guys are no good. Like it is, it's so deeply unsettling to like, I, I looked into this because I found this dude's lyrics in hip hop that I was listening to. And here we are now, eventually, like I did not expect this to be any sort of commentary on black culture. When I, when I first, uh, you know, was following my curiosity, but it's so, so disheartening and unsettling to see, not only the 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 greatest leaders they've had in 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 American history um, for their culture taken out at their prime, but the worst of them are allowed to flourish, and it just seems like such a stark contrast that I don't know, man. It seems it seems ominous. It seems a little conspiratorial to me. Yeah, that's what our government does well: gets rid of the good ones and uh, keeps the useful ones until they're not useful and then gets rid of them too yeah i mean martin luther king jr that obviously that was his time was up as soon as he started talking bad about the war then it was like he needs to go and the fbi took him out malcolm x obviously he became a danger to nation of islam so his own religion had to take him out so unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's the world we live in mm-hmm. um and um now it's 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 interesting um i don't know like you could go down all sorts of conspiracy rabbit holes um like 
I didn't really see a whole lot, but this story is still kind of there's 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 so much to it. There's a lot that could get uh, lost in the in in all the just the the whole mess of it all. Like I don't know if there was some sort of um, alphabet agencies involved, but it does kind of seem like if there was anyone that had some sort of agreement, like you know you. We'll keep letting you do this, and you do this for us. You would give us some sort of intel, like the the CIA, the Feds. They've done that a million different times. Oh, yeah. um, it wouldn't. It, it, I could see it happening, especially when you take into account all the shadow politics and blackmail, and you get into Epstein type blackmail and stuff, and how he was so involved with, with politicians. Like I could see, so you know, maybe someone had some dirt on him. But final, it was eventually getting to the point. We'll talk about the compound a bit more. We're, we won't get into the end yet, but um, where they just had to, they had to um, seize the compound and get in there. There was too many allegations coming out and there's too many people that were starting to come out with their own stories of abuse. And, uh, and it wasn't just whispers. And um, a point I, I, I'm making is that his, uh, the modern historical context is this is basically right on the heels of the Heaven's Gate suicides and the Waco massacre. So the government had, they were really walking on eggshells and they were terrified of this. They were uh, from a, from a, um, like a public outlook standpoint, like they did not want another Waco and, you know, I'm not going to bat for the government. I wouldn't say it was uh, altruistic more so. And they just didn't want that much egg on their face this time. Yeah. But um, it, <laughs> it's it, always a game of thrones. It's not yeah. good versus evil. It's more evil versus evil. <laughs> These yeah, things. no doubt. No doubt. Um, but yeah, so so when they move from um, from New York City to Eatonton, which I think is one of the most redneck places I've ever heard of. It's Eatonton, Eatonton. Like, my God, like you guys just really ran out of ideas. And I can say that I was born 30 minutes outside of Eatonton in Macon, Georgia, raised my life, uh, most of my life in Alaska. And I'm in Florida mm. now, but um, that's where I was born. That's where I got family still. And that is like an hour outside of Atlanta. So mm-hmm. we're definitely in the in the Atlanta mix there. But by the time you get to Eatonton, that's like the closest kind of farm country you get to outside of um uh, uh, like ma- the metropolis of atlanta and uh um it's weird like you don't even get i got a, a lot of family in this direct area like they don't even know malachi york's name it's it's kind of weird it's it's almost like a lot of people a lot of artists a lot of community members even a lot of random people that felt uncomfortable with this new cult in their georgia community everyone just felt like they had a bunch of egg on their face and like whether conscious or not, just kind of seemed like they they didn't want to dwell on it too long. Um, but in any case, so they they get out there and he comes across this land through his old uh, Islamic organizational connections. Uh, there was there was going to be some potential community building with the purchase of this land, and it fell through, or they didn't need to like from his affiliates, and so he knew about it. The land still wasn't sold. And then um, he like he ended up paying extra so that there was less questions asked and all this and and just kind of like a strong armed the guy as best he could made it really worth his while. And by the time 
the guy saw this like black Egyptian cult moving into like this old uh, land that he had. He's like, well, <laughs> uh, you know, they, I'm a rich man now. So, you know, I guess this is just what it is. <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, so, and this actually, um, right around when they move is when they start doing the, the Cowboys and Indians motif. And <laughs> I don't remember exactly if it is the, their introduction to the community, but I'm pretty sure it is. It was their introduction. So you just, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> who are the Cowboys? That's what I want to know. I can figure out the Indians because York thought he was an Indian yeah. at one point. Right. But or he could, or the neighbors, you know, Mavis, <laughs> I think we got a problem with our neighbors. To play yeah. Cowboys and Indians. <laughs> Call yeah. the sheriff. Yeah. And these Cowboys and Indians are building pyramids too. Um, I got a Sphinx <laughs> out there. <laughs> But no, the, so here goes the neighborhood, maybe. <laughs> Pull that block. <laughs> yeah, it is like truth is stranger than fiction. Like I remember coming across this story for the first time, and I just couldn't believe that it was true. Um, but to answer your question, Vance, it was just kind of like, like um, the the like the the church of like the flying spaghetti monster. They, they have like oh, silly yeah. pageantry of like their, their priest class. I didn't expect to bring that up. So I can't remember what it is, but like, it's a really moot point. Oh, they have like pirates in there. Some of their, like, they're like pastors or preachers or whatever, are like dressed like pirates. And then some people are dressed like other things. And there's like a schism in the spaghetti, <laughs> like the Pastafarian <laughs> community. Seriously. So um, it's, it was a similar thing. Like, yeah, like uh, the 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 Indian costume and the cowboy costume were like for different aspects of their community to like show to help show the stratification. So it's just so weird. Um, so that's literally, regardless of whether that that's their first impression, that is definitely their first strongest impression in this rural Georgia community. So they they're already off to an interesting start, and. Um, and and then mind you, this is also like I don't have like an exact date. I have it in the notes here, but uh, there's I got all sorts here. But like I know for a fact, at this time, Andre three thousand put on a show at one point here because they had like this. They also wrapped into their philosophy was the idea that they were a sovereign state, so they right. thought that they were a country unto themselves, um, and it was the whole Nawabian nation. And he literally, Malachi York, there was like, at least on this compound, there was like, there was hundreds of people, um, like four or 500, something like that. So, and he charged everybody in the nineties, a $25 annual passport fee. Um, yeah. To come on and off the compound. And then, uh, and then he also had like, uh, I'll, I'll find it in here. I got, I got a bit on it, but he had like some sort of All Saints Day dedicated to himself. It was a Savior's Day. June, um, someday in June was his Savior's Day on the Georgia compound. And he, he, it was said that in uh, 1998, he raked in as much as a half a million dollars from Savior's Day alone um, because it was a giant festival and he did all the, he would do his lectures and all his Masonic like ripoff pageantry and, and, and and he would have uh rappers come and 
Like this thing, like it's it's not only did he influence the dawn of hip hop, but he influenced two major cultural, um, I don't know, like wells of hip hop. Like you have East Coast and West Coast, and then the 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 next biggest one that has really been put on, um, like hip hop cultural history's map is Atlanta and like Georgia hip hop. Like uh, Atlanta has played a big role in all that, and. I always have been really influenced by East coast style hip hop. But uh, so coming from Georgia, I don't really, I don't really care. And and they do have their own different sounds, um, especially the more you listen to them. But uh, anyway, it's, yeah, this guy was really just all over the place. And Isn't it uh, ironic that the KKK has a parallel structure. You know, they were came from Masonic type brotherhoods and all this other stuff, and they were white supremacists, right? And so here we have the opposite, the total polar opposite of the KKK. No yeah, yeah, well said. Um, oh, here's a fun note. Um, um, at one point, while they were trying to do the Cowboys and Indians thing, and he he still maintains somehow that he's a, a Creek Native American. Um, he called himself Chief Black Thunderbird Eagle. Um, so, <laughs> Chief yeah. Pontiac Thunderbird. <laughs> did, he have, did he have any uh, explanation? Because it is true, a lot of the, when the slaves were freed or escaping or during, there were certain times when slaves did join or adopted by Native American tribes. Um. Did he even try that excuse that you know traces lineage to, or he just he he it? he did have some uh, some stories um, from the research I came across. There was no stories like he was um, born in New York, so he uh-huh. he came from like a different part of the country anyway. Really, um, um, that's not to say his family didn't come from there, but I, regardless, like this guy is leaps yeah. and bounds. It, it, it's the general uh, accepted record that there's no um, affil- there's no genetic affiliation there. And like, yeah, the guy definitely tried to uh, he 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 really was uh, was not ashamed of anything like he was just he had a great ego on his shoulders. He just thought he was like God's gift to the earth. But uh what else was I going to say? You brought up the KKK. Oh, yeah. I mean, just for whatever it's worth also while we're getting into it. And like the black supremacy. It's also weird. Like a lot of these hip hop artists like uh, like Prodigy, MF Doom, you know, two names that a lot of people know that I enjoy um, that say that they really like York's work. Not only do they have they never said anything in their lyrics about overt black supremacy um they've worked with a ton of different artists including white rappers and and like there's you know they're very uh, they very much embraced throughout their entire career the idea of hip-hop as like the underdogs you know culture in the long run and and so i don't know it's it's tough we can't ask them these questions these days but i guess it seems like you know the idea from someone with a nuanced perspective of his of his racism was that the white devil historically speaking is a thing and that doesn't mean that all white people are bad i we got plenty of direct quotes like i could even read some if you guys wanted to where um malachi york is saying unequivocally that white all white people are bad um but clearly a lot of people that 
in, enjoyed some of his philosophy weren't that uh, hateful and extremist. But yeah, it's just it's a crazy thing how how deep his influence goes and and how much gray area there is here. So and I mean and and also to be fair, I mean yeah, historically speaking, there there is a precedent for for the white devil if you want to call it that. I just think like. Sure. You know, um, the common denominator in it all is psychopathy. So, like, I think that that's probably the best thing for people to to take away from something like that. But, but I mean, you know, fair you enough. You could ask him. You could ask him. He's still alive. You could write him some letters. Malachi York. Yeah, we could ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I could yeah, see you writing a, maybe a book if nobody's written a book. I bet it would do well. Yeah, I he's still know. serving a 135-year prison sentence. Yeah, he's pretty old, though. I don't know how how much of a shape his mind is in being locked away in there i don't know stories the stories and what about the charge what charges for 135 years that's a lot of charges (laughs) uh let me go up here Um, child molestation financially rico um what else did i read about yeah yeah, it was it was he took his tag off of his mattress. <laughs> yeah, that was a big yeah, do not remove under penalty yeah. of law. I mean it was it was all the sexual assault, the litany of all those things. There oh, was yeah. there was fraud and racketeering, which for anybody that doesn't know, because it's kind of a funny term, racketeering, the acquiring of business through illegal activity, um, right. which can come out uh, about in a bunch of different ways. We also mentioned the illegal nightclub. Um, it's just literally a nightclub. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like they were proud of it. It's just a crazy, weird uh, aside in the story. And and they also had armed guards. Like people, there's stories of people coming because uh, they're a part of the community. So there's certain like uh, uh, building codes and stuff. <laughs> so you have to get approval from certain people within the community to build something like these pyramids. And when these people would come on and like, I don't remember all the details. A lot of people were kind of intimidated. I bet you some people were bribed. Eventually they got uh, these pyramids built, but there were accounts of armed guards with machine guns escorting people around. So like they were not ever fucking around. Uh, They had all sorts of shit going on there. But um, yeah, the big ones were, were fraud um sexual all that misconduct uh of of the highest degrees and and racketeering um so but uh you guys will like this we've had a we've had some fun laughs in there i'm sure we'll get at least one laugh out of this he was prolific with making the pamphlets and uh i've got some titles here um it it's also funny that there's like it's a matter of record that he made his pamphlets that he would have people pass out on the streets um uh, like they were designed to be very poor quality and fall apart fairly fast. And people asked him why. And he literally said, because if people it's good material, it's like, it's, it's good writing. So if people like it and it falls apart fast, they'll buy more copies, which is just a strange outlook to have. I don't know how many times you could really get away with that before you, you really jade your audience, but I don't know. He is a cult leader. So some of these titles and some of these are, are going to ha- require explanations that I don't have. So, But they're a uh, man from planet Rizk, which is R-I-Z-Q. Um, the Melaninite children. Um, <laughs> what is speaking in tongues? 
Shambhala and Agartha cities within the earth. So he's also a hollow earth uh, theorist. Ah, Yeah, I did. I definitely remember that now that I'm reading this title. Um, Are you still eating pork? Is Jesus God? Muhammad was a Hebrew. Halloween, the evil one Sabbath. Uh, The mystery clouds, whatever that is. I thought that was fun, though. Uh, Mm. Where is the devil today? 666 leviathan that's a dope metal band name um let's let's talk about the end um mission earth and et involvement um santa or satan the fallacy of christmas and the last one's also pretty fun is god a wimp which is a (laughs) a burning question i'm sure a lot of us have had i stay Um, up at night I I like the um, Muhammad was Jewish. That 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 re- that's a really good one. <laughs> that this was guy one of my theories. Dozens that's and dozens. Theory. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> he was. A, he really was a mystic Jew in that time, and uh, it was his successors that changed it around. It was. I think there's some validity to that. Really interesting. See, I mean, that's like this guy. You know, he's and talking, again, by Jew, we think Jewish, but remember, Jew, it was very fluid in Judaism and right. The Arabia had their own mm-hmm. idea, yeah, but it still was, you know. Well, Judaism. it was an offshoot of Judaism, that's for sure. It's an Abrahamic religion, so. right? Right, yeah. We could certainly have these conversations, but we all know where where he takes it eventually. Um, but those are great points to make. Um, so I mean, again, he also the precedent for the quote unquote white devil that we talked about. It's, it's understandable. He talks about shadow politics and Illuminati. These like, this is literally, you hear Illuminati dropped in like, you know, like Tupac songs and like, and, and Wu Tang, the uh, Illuminati was more of a word in hip hop culture than it was in any other culture. Like early on, they were early adopters of, of the self-enlightenment, self-empowerment, and like street knowledge, conspiracy theory. And they kept it pretty real for a long time, Malachi York aside. And then it started getting really crazy in the modern era that we that we know today. But like, so yeah, I mean, Illuminati being a colloquial term for shadow politics, if you will. Um, and I think we can all agree that shadow politics are around and that that is what most people mean when they're slinging the term Illuminati around. Sure. So, I mean, in that sense, yeah. So he he was good at using these sort of touchstones that he knew people were already gravitating towards, and then just kind of in this again, like L. Ron Hubbard in a lot of ways. Hmm. Hey, somebody keeps mentioning about Pickle Man. Uh, is that a thing of his? Pickle Man. Pickle Man. Well, there yeah. is a lot to this story that doesn't ring a bell to me at all, but. It would. I wouldn't surprise me. I know there's there's more that I haven't heard. I'm I'm really not sure. Yeah. Um, next time, maybe you can, if you f- come across it, you can tell us about Pickle yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. I thought that was Rick from Rick and Morty. Oh, well, <laughs> Pickle, Pickle Rick. Rick. Oh yeah. yeah. How does Pickle Rick uh, fit into all this? Uh, oh well, there you go. We must go down. Yeah, there. maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless okay. it was pickle flavored Kool Aid, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little vinegar in the Kool Aid. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Th- so, speaking of Kool Aid and things like that, and thankfully, there's a pretty reasonable end to this story. There's a lot of abuse that happened throughout the years, but because the government was so, um, just 
the egg on their face of uh, of Waco, particularly, and the public disturbance of Heaven's Gate. Um, and then there was all there's ancient aliens action going on in this. So they, you know, people, your average Joe is is wondering like, oh god, are these people, you know, gearing up to try and make it onto a spacecraft? Um, so. And 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 then you you hear the allegations, but the 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 straw that actually broke the camel's back in terms of like you know because you can hear things, and a lot of times the the way cult leaders get away with things for a while is because in one way or another they have this stuff insulated, they make it difficult, whether legally or just like intimidation for law enforcement to get up in there, you know, similar to like gang turf or something, and uh, um you have to have you know a chink in the armor of actual like data that you could you know that would hold up in court in order for you to get like a warrant and they really get the snowball going so the it's weird and just i don't know just speaks to this man's unparalleled ego that uh he was doing this illegal nightclub called uh um Oh, I don't remember what it was called, but Club Ramses. <laughs> yeah, that's a and Makes the sense. yeah, and this whole compound was Tamaray. Um, and so Club Ramses was uh, it was super illegal. They were they had no liquor license. They had no license for anything. They had no business license. So um, eventually, even with any sort of intimidation and uh, the sheriff being like, I don't know, religious freedom. I don't even know what all like my limits are here there's just comes a point where you're like okay i gotta take a look at all this and and then you get in there and they and so they go with it's not a full-on raid yet um but they go and i believe they're definitely heavily armed and ready to go and i think there's some swat involved but it's again not a raid they're going to forcibly shut down the nightclub and this is like late 90s at this point um and this is like the best, one of the best kept secrets at the time. Like people in the community, people in Eatonton knew, but people like my family growing up, hell, I was living in Macon for a couple of years while, while the Nuwabian cult was a half hour down the road. Like people didn't know about this. Um, and that's, I even got some quotes from the sheriff that uh, of Eatonton who, you know, was sort of a part of the snowball effect where he's just like, yeah, it was a huge thing. And it was just like we were the only ones dealing with it, like the, this the whole impending doom of this crazy thing going on. And uh, and so the cult is, you know, they're filming and they're angry and they're claiming we're a sovereign nation. You can't do this. You have no right. And they're just so brainwashed at this point that they not only are they sold on all this other stuff, but they're really sold on the idea that they actually have a legal argument for the whole sovereign nation thing, which it's a great idea. I wish it were true, but like none of that's going to hold up in court people. Um, and, um, it didn't work out for a Rashnish or Osho and his cult. <laughs> yeah. Never does. Yeah. yeah the government's going to take it away. So. And there was also, during this time, uh, you know, building up to this boiling point, there was they were starting to get more media attention um, and they were starting to get articles written about them. At least local regional um, news stations were starting to ask questions. And and so there was interviews with with uh, with compound um, 
community members, people living there. Uh, at, at certain points, cameras were allowed on the compound, and and people are like, "Does this look like a cult to you?" And and but but that's all part of the charade, man. You don't leave the the deepest darkest mechanisms of the cult out on display. That's that's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. and and if you would exp- and if you're using that as part of your argument to show that you're not in a cult, then you that actually might be a clearer indication that you are in a cult. <laughs> like, if you're sold on that, because it's not really any evidence or or proof at all. Um, and uh, but people were really sold on it. They were adamant. They were very defensive of their leader. Um, they were willing to pay their passport fee and all that. And and so it becomes a little bit more, you know, butting heads with the community. And that's when, you know, they start a legal liquor license. They start seeing, you know, there's clearly if it's a pop in club, especially there's the, all the hip hop affiliation that it does, there's going to be some fun drugs in there and things like that. There's I'm sure there's plenty of Coke and things. And there's all sorts of allegations and whispers and, uh, but uh, I don't think that like explicitly drug trafficking or human trafficking were technically part of his charges. Um, they didn't even really need him at that point. Um, so, but like I said, there, there, there's talk of all that in the mix and uh, they, people start now it's getting to the point. Things have snowballed so far that there's even becoming like support groups for people who have left the Nuwabian nation cult. It's getting to that sort of like post cult level of Scientology where like, um, the recovery level. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The perfect word for it there. If it's been around long enough where people are in recovery and going through steps involved and, and trying to handle their trauma and things. And then, so police start talking with these people. Uh, eventually it reaches a, and, and they also start talking with children. Um, there even gets to a point where certain children are, um, you know, analyzed for for um, for evidence, and 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 so it there's enough evidence for a warrant, and they get in there, they go, they 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 you know they keep Waco in mind, and they actually execute it f- pretty flawlessly. Like there's, I don't think Malachi York was not killed. There was no, there was no, you know, fifty day standoff or anything like that. They went in and busted shit down and 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 just completely, you know, tore apart the operation. And they found a lot of sick stuff um, in Malachi York. Like, there's again, talk about layers and levels to the story. When you get into which we won't, um, thankfully you get into the levels of more of the true crime elements of what he was doing and some of the torture, some of the, the stratification. That is one thing we could talk about is how he used women in his, in his sort of um, cult mechanisms. But like the stuff he was doing to pass the time and for fun was, was very sick, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he really had like, um, I'm not trying to talk shit about Flavor Flav because his name didn't come up once, but he had like a flavor of love kind of thing going on where like he was just like um, really he had like a harem, a literal harem of women. And he was um, giving them like rank ups and he was he was literally like voting people off of his inner circle reality show fucking flavor of love style. And like with his chosen favorites. 
giving women clout by giving them notes to hand to other women. And like, it, and, and, you know, these were like his, uh, he was siring a lot of women, uh, sorry, a lot of children, uh, some of them women um, on record, like even like abuse aside, it was, it was uh, well known within the community that he could and would sleep with whoever he wanted and no one was interested in putting up a fight anyway. So even when um, another interesting point here, um, now that I'm thinking about it, people started as always does. There's uh there's, there becomes a little bit of whispers in the community um, inevitably, uh, you know, of like abuse and different things. And a big talking point was people just couldn't wrap their heads around it. It didn't make any sense because the guy had everything anyway. He could sleep with any woman that he wanted to. I don't think he swung both ways, but he probably could have if he wanted to. Um, like he had all the power and psychological stranglehold that one could want. And it just goes to show how predatory like the you know the the depths of being a predator because it doesn't matter how much you want you want more and you want what you can't have and you want to you know there's a sadistic element to it where you just want to see punishment and your self-superiority like it doesn't have anything to do with all the women you can have you know so, it sounds like he had no empathy for anybody. It was all him. It was like totally, you know, psycho- psychopathic. No, there was I mean, no empathy at all. How many people were in his cult at the time? Um, well, there was there was hundreds living on the compound. Um, there, it's 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 tough to say, especially when someone is has so much artistic influence uh, carryover. Um, I really, I don't, I don't know if I have that number, but um, he claims a lot, um, like globally, like quite a few. There's um, it, but 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 then there's also the question of something like that. You know, how much? What's the difference between being vaguely inspired by someone and then actually being a right, cult right. member? And it, it was at least in the thousands. You know, wow. I mean, this yeah, guy, yeah. I mean, uh... With Manson and his family, you look between a hundred and three hundred. It's hard to tell, but that's he had some power with that amount of people. Yeah, no, this guy had a like militia army basically ready to go for him. Um, oh. Yeah, and, like it was it was wild. So um, these days, you know, so he was he was taken out. There was the, um, there was a lot of evidence. Um, you know, the end of the story, there's, there's more to go into. So it's not like we're wrapping up here quite yet, but um, I mean, basically, yeah, he got all that time in prison. He, uh, he was convicted in 2004, his earliest release date. I thought, I thought this is fun that anyone would even list it. It's 21, uh, 22. So, <laughs> um, um, and yeah, and there he sits, uh, he, he's continuously filing appeals, um, sometimes having to do with his Native American blood, uh, making him a sovereign individual. That means that, like, and even if we're, that were true, you could read some of his appeals and, like, they're gibberish. This dude was an awful writer. If you read any of his pamphlets, it's 
absolute gibberish. He makes he makes uh, L. Ron Hubbard look eloquent. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, he could write. Hubbard could write. <laughs> he makes Charles Manson look rational. <laughs> yeah, and in, in all fairness, Hubbard could write, but he he just shit work out. He didn't care about proofreading or anything. No. So a lot of what he has is terrible. But he could write. Um, but um. Yeah, so I mean, he's 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 continuing to file appeals. There are a lot of people, like I mentioned, you know, prodigy of Mob Deep, even to this day before he died, um, was convinced that York was set up. Um, there's there's like there there's all sorts of uh, of of different theories. Um, Malachi York's son, who is also named Dwight York, um, I believe this is the son. That is, I mean, he obviously had a lot of kids, but uh, I believe the son that was also named Dwight York was the one that helped take him down eventually. But um, regardless, he played a, a pretty big role in like being outspoken when he left the cult. And um, he actually, before he started being outspoken in that capacity, when he had left, he went back to visit his father just to kind of see what the hell was going on. And he was an adult. Um, and he he had left when he was like like a like a you know a fresh adult and coming back a kind of coming of age thing and he has like a he's kind of disturbed things have even escalated even further and he asks his dad what the hell is going on and reportedly and I believe it um uh, Dwight York Malachi York says to his son uh, like I don't believe in any of this shit I would dress up like a nun. You know, I'll be a Jew. I'll do anything to make the kind of money I'm making right now. So this guy reportedly from day one was was all about the con. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so any. Yeah, like I said, he's still trying to do it to this day, uh, trying to get out of prison. And he still has a reasonable amount of support. It's pretty marginal, but it's tangible for sure for sure um so it's i don't know like i don't know how people could still be sold on it but like i said i guess in the in like the michael jackson sense of like there's a lot of different ways you can be inspired by someone i understand that but when the fact that anyone's really doubling down is is pretty crazy but um it is what well, it's it is built on race hate isn't it I mean, his all of his power was from that. I think, you know. Yeah, I'm. It was, with if that's a coin, it's two sides. Like a, a one side, there's black empowerment, which is which is all well and good, and then and some people just focused on that, even with his beliefs or his teachings, apparently. But the core, like the huge core, you can't get away from is, and I could I could read some quotes here is definitely racism and and black supremacy specifically. So, yeah, it's all just hate. Like here, here, for instance, uh, a, a quote from um, York himself during a lecture. Um, White people are the devil. Uh, they say uh, some people say the Nawabians are not racist. Well, bullcrap. I am. And white people are devils. They always was, always will be. Um, uh, here's here's another one. This is a bit longer. We can get a tiny, not that long, um, a tiny peek into some of his like theology. Um, the Caucasian has not been chosen to lead the world. They lack true emotions in their creation. We never intended them to be peaceful because 
you know, uh, Nubian people created all the other races. Right. Um, they were bred to be killers with low reproduction levels and a short lifespan. Um, what you call the African American is uh, was to live, but use a different word, uh, was to live a thousand years each and the other humans 120 years. Uh, but the warrior seeds of Caucasians is only 60 years old. Um, barely barely uh coherent already um the points he's making <laughs> they were only created to fight other invading races to protect the god race the nubians uh but they went insane the white people uh lost control when they were left unattended um they were never to taste blood uh they did apparently and their true nature came out um and also, uh, because their reproduction levels were cut short, their sexual organs were made the smallest. <laughs> 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 I forgot about that. Oh, my God. That's an actual quote, everybody. Um, um, so it took 600 years to breed them part man and part beast. <laughs> um, wow. Oh yeah. Wacky, wacky yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that is that is the large and short of it. Um there is a you know there's more that we could get into like end game philosophizing and and um you know what it means today and maybe you know some of the more of the history but like that's that's mostly it. What do you guys think? Questions comments? He's a spurious <laughs> guy. I mean <laughs> You couldn't take any any um it's a mishmash of stuff, you know. And I like Dude. when when it comes down to this guy, he was many different guys. He was whatever guy he wanted to be. He was a chameleon uh, to 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 justify his uh, maintaining power and so forth. That's what it sounds like to me. Of course, I wasn't there, but still, I think there's enough. If history is anything, and apparently he knew nothing of history. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. But you know it's 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 sad too because you know uh, here's the problem he was exploiting his own people. Yes, that that's the sad part of it. He exploited them personally. He exploited their history because it's a very very sad thing, uh, slavery and what happened. You know, with people that were brought over from Africa is a very very sad thing. Of course, slavery is you know not limited to people from Africa either. You know, maybe the Romans had slaves or white slaves and so forth. Absolutely. But still, no matter where it is, when it is, it's it's a horrible thing. Yeah. And a group of people that are brought over to country like that, they naturally tend to identify with each other. And then somebody like him comes over and fosters up, you know, uh, it's easy to foster up resentment and hate. And that that puts people into a community and then he exploits this community, takes money from them. I mean, you know, that's that's my reaction. It's 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 sad. It's very sad. But it's a warning. It's good to know about. Yeah, and 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 abuse aside, um, I was consistently surprised at how funny, like a surrealist absurd some of the the shit he's talking about is. Like I really even reading those uh, some of those pamphlet titles with you guys again, like I've read them multiple times, I still get a kick out of it. I just I don't know what was going through this guy's mind, and I guess like I'm really not throwing shade to the people that got too sold on his beliefs because I wasn't there either, and I can only fucking imagine 
what it must feel like to be, you know, the fact of the matter is however you want to break it down, you could get into a, a whole lot of semantics that none of us want to get into, but the, this American system was designed not to have minorities best interests. That's just a given. And, uh, and, and so to be so disempowered from the start to watch some of your, your most inspirational people taken out, like that's, that's gotta be such a disheartening low point, not to mention the, even the history of slavery itself. Like I, it's a, it's a cultural struggle that, I can't even begin to understand. So, well, even I, then, in the seventies, you've got the CIA trying to destroy the black family. Eighties, they're flooding the neighborhoods with crack. I mean, yes, yeah, that's another. There's good the point. eugenics thing trying to eliminate them, and I've talked to you know African American guests about. It. I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. On. So, so yeah, like you said, people join cults not because things are going well, but because they've had terrible lives. They're in a state of. Uh, pain and anxiety and you know people with high iqs and very artistic people are actually more success successful to joining cults so, but i mean that's a whole like you said you've talked a lot about this in your uh, black hoodie alchemy so you know the 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 blueprint of a cult and like you just said it just takes a few predators out there to create their own tribe yeah and for whatever it's worth because there's different avenues you could go down um multiple facets of understanding how people get sold on a cult. I was thinking about it again, getting prepped for this exact story. And I think a a takeaway it's simple. It's like, but I think it's just often overlooked is uh, because in practice it's very powerful. Um, And it doesn't seem like much on paper. I think once you, if you see someone do something impressive, like someone takes a page out of, you know, some sort of eclectic esoteric philosophy um, uh, like Malachi York does. And, and that resonates with people because many different comparative religious cultures have talked about certain principles, you know, like um, getting into archetypes and whatever else. And then, and so you use those and maybe you see how much, genuine impact he's had on the community early on um the donations fundraisers you know the, keeping these apartment complexes solid um like you know it it you see him doing good so it you know and then you start to feel like you know him even though you probably don't and then so there's a certain benefit of the doubt that happens and there's a certain like well, he's eccentric, but I've seen on paper a lot of good that he's doing, you know, shit like that. So I don't, I, I, I think, um, if, and, and predators notice that there was the cherry on top of that predators notice that, and they start figuring out what the special buttons are to get people the most sold. And then it, you know, you can, if you, if you sell them on something big enough, then you have a lot of clout that you can cash in on and get away with a bunch of crazy shit exactly indeed well well said indeed no i think we you've done a great job in covering this fascinating character and uh hopefully you can uh dig up some more like you said somebody make a movie or write a book because again it is yeah. a part of uh a cult americana and uh yeah. as, uh, as a warning a too i uh, I, can, I, I can tie gnosticism into this 
Oh, yeah? I'd love oh. to hear some any thoughts you got. Here you go. Uh, short and sweet. Um, we're talking about minorities and being feeling disenfranchised, getting angry, right, and being exploited or whatever. But uh, aside from the exploitation part of it, the Gnostics felt they were being exploited by their demiurge who had created an evil world for them to, re, uh, to, to live in. And that's what brought them together. That's, that's the, one of the main things that brings Gnostics together. So the same dynamic that brought York's people or followers or any minority, because you know what? Every democratic government, if there's a vote, the majority rule, any, any system where the majority rules, the minority fumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and, 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 you know, it's because people can't agree. That's why it's good to have as few laws as possible. You know, you, you don't want to reg- over-regulate things because the more laws you make, the more division there is and so forth. So that's how I tie Gnosticism in. Well, this yeah, could we, be uh, kind of scary because when you think about it, let's look at the cult, Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard said, I'm doing a Gnostic religion. He said that in emails. Heaven's Gate. Very Gnostic. Uh, let's see. The family, Charles Manson, his patron god was Abraxas. Uh, so, right. oh, my God, I'm going to stop right there because <laughs> <laughs> the evil guys are the Gnostics the whole time. Well, I've talked about it in the show. Weaponized Gnosticism works well. Us versus them and Archons. And we have the secret knowledge. And, you know, you Absolutely. can twist that around and create your own cult. So, and you, the devil, the devil is like brings Christians together, right? Because oh, the devil is doing yes. this and that to you. Oh, you know, so so you know, it's always the oppressor. You know, it's if you can create an oppressor, you you can create a a, um, a group. Yeah, amen. And as a final aside, since we are talking about a little bit of conspiracy theories, the crack was a great thing to bring up. That was some very targeted, like legitimate conspiracy theory stuff that you can you can find a lot of recorded evidence for now. Um, and um, like the, uh, the 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 assassination of Tupac looks like um, you know a genuine sort of alphabet agency hit as well. It looks like right. um, you know Death Row Records was an operating gang that ran a record label. We know that now. And at a certain point, because there was so much like drug trafficking and everything else that they were doing, um, not as bad as York, but they were, they were, they were definitely real gangsters. And uh, then the feds got involved and then they started working with the feds as much as they had to, in order to stay out of prison. And Suge Knight was running that record label. Um, there's a lot to show that he, if he didn't have a direct hand, him like a literal direct hand, he had direct orders. He was part of the direct chain of command that killed Tupac. There's a lot of evidence to show that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there's um, uh, there is it's a bit more speculative, but uh, plenty of people are even convinced that he that same series of events, Suge Knight, Alphabet agencies killed uh, Biggie as well. So oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, it it really does. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, hip hop is weird today, especially because a lot of like trap and SoundCloud rap, like it sounds like hip hop. It sounds like another section of hip hop. And you can't really fully say that it isn't, but it basically isn't. And you hear a lot of these like multicolored dread rappers and artists talking they say they don't even really like hip hop or as a culture, 
they don't consider themselves rappers a lot of the time. Um, so it's this weird thing where kids just kind of grew up enjoying a certain sound and then just kind of made it their own thing. But and, and, and it's a case by case basis where some of them kind of are associated with with hip hop community. But like, yeah, the, you know, this is the 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 old school stuff, you know, I mean, Eminem still uh, I don't really listen to him, but he's still chart topping. Um, J. Cole is a really conscious, genuine rapper out there that's topping charts. Um, so, we don't, and, you know, for I don't like Drake at all, really, but he is a rapper he's genuine hip-hop he's not like a soundcloud rapper and and of course we can't forget yay kanye west um i'm sure he has i would love to hear what kanye west has to say about malachi york i'm sure he's got some thoughts (laughs) oh i'm sure he's got some thoughts yeah about any subject he'll give you his thoughts (laughs) (laughs) yeah you wouldn't be able to get him to shut up yeah no no he'll he'll give you his own (laughs) stories and takes so uh well awesome uh, uh yeah we yeah, know. not just um black hoodie alchemy, you know, it's uh black hoodie, the whole mentality is just as much punk rock and metal as it is hip hop. I play a lot of uh hip hop and and rock and roll and punk, a little bit of metal, but I try to keep it a little more accessible. Metal can get crazy even though I love it. Um but so <laughs> like I love the underground um underground art in general. I like the artists I play, I talk to and you know, are genuinely some of the best like artists that you know i have them in my rotation so music is a big part of my inspiration and what i do and there's a lot of alchemical Jungian philosophy on the show true crime uh we get into get some x-files vibes going on i had a recent episode about the dark pyramid of alaska underground i'm not convinced that it's a real thing um but it's a hell of a story and there's a it's very x-files it's 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 interesting so there's all sorts going on over there i invite you to check it out cool yeah oh, I, i'm excited about jody foster and the next true detective hope they don't f it up i think it is in an, an alaska but uh oh, what really? are you still yeah are you uh i have uh your website is it dive mind or yep dive mind okay, i have that on the show notes okay right Divemind.net. yeah check it out he's got some good stuff this is just part of what Anthony does. Uh, great podcast, great research. And I don't yeah. see, I was just looking, I see only one super chat. Thank you very much, Chester, for supporting the show. And uh, yeah, please support the show if you can, wherever you are. Like and subscribe. Tell all your friends, your CIA handler about the <laughs> show. Uh, and uh and my yeah. books too, Dive Manual and yeah. Hunt Manual, um, just an extension of all the esoterica and craziness that we love to talk about. You can find it all at divemind.net. But uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. And thank you guys very much for having me. It's always a pleasure, but it was especially fun this time just because I'm, I really am truly surprised that more people uh, aren't familiar with this story. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm thankful that I got to share it and get my uh, journalistic itch scratched. <laughs> no glad you came on always enjoy when you come on i know uh we were gonna talk about horror movies but maybe we can do that closer to halloween because i was thinking i was making a list and i'm like crap i haven't watched thanksgiving there's a few horror movies i have not Likewise. been able to watch that so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about my favorite one last year and i want to talk more is uh when evil lurks and it does have a powerful gnostic slant 
but we'll get into that. This was uh There's always was tax a, day, Miguel. <laughs> that's all the Halloween. Uh, yeah, Talk about terror. Have, yeah, we might have to distribute crack to everybody. Uh, this government, God, I wish it would go away. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, uh, Anthony Vance. Thanks for uh, keeping us company. Oh, uh, it's a unexpected pleasure. Glad to have you, buddy. Yeah, it's been a been a real treat. Yeah, yeah and for, for everybody else, Good I hope you Anthony. enjoyed your uh, Sunday. I hope you enjoy your week, and yeah, keep waking up in twenty twenty four. It's the best we can do. So. As I say, write your own gospel, live your own myth, take care of everybody, and uh, till we meet again, bye. Bye Bye-bye.